Turn your Bibles with me, if you would, please. When you tell a lousy joke, it's time to preach. So Mark chapter 12. Let's do that. Mark chapter 12. I preached this morning about the miracle of conversion. And I like that thought. I like that idea. I want to preach something that kind of connects with that tonight. And that is miracle conversions. Plural. Miracle conversions. The miracle of conversion this morning, miracle conversions tonight. Look with me at Mark chapter 12, beginning in verse number 28. If you can, stand with me out of respect for the Word of God as I read it to you. We'll look at some scripture there and get into the message. Mark 12, 28. And one of the scribes came, and having heard them reasoning together, and perceiving that he had answered them well, asked him, which is the first commandment of all? And Jesus answered him, The first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. And the second is like, namely this, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandment greater than these. And the scribes said unto him, Well, Master, thou hast said the truth. For there is one God, and there is none other but He. And to love Him with all the heart, and with all the understanding, with all the soul, with all the strength, and to love His neighbor as Himself, is more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that He answered him discreetly, He said unto him, Thou art not far from the kingdom of God. And no man after that durst ask Him any question. I want to talk to you a little while tonight on miracle conversions. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you tonight, Lord, for your blessings. We thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to be involved in the work of the Lord. And I pray now, Lord, that you'd bless as I preach. Give me the words to say. Fill me with your spirit. Anoint me, Lord, that I might say something, God, that you could use. And, uh, Lord, that would be effective to this church and helpful And uh, I pray that you'd speak through me. In spite of my sinful self, use me, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Here's a passage of Scripture where Jesus is asked a question. It's interesting that the scribe would ask Jesus, and Jesus would answer him, and the scribe would commend him. It should be the other way around, right? Jesus asking the questions, and than people answering and Jesus giving commendation. That's usually the way it was. But in this case, Jesus let this man ask him a question. This scribe. Now, obviously, you know that the scribes and Pharisees were religious hypocrites, right? They were very religious, but they didn't know God. They didn't know the God of the Old Testament. And then when the Messiah came, they didn't know Him. And so they were religious, but lost. And, of course, that continues today, right? A lot of religion in this world, very little truth. And so, uh, in this case, this man comes and he asks Jesus, Hey, Jesus, you know, what, what's going on here? What's, uh, what's the greatest? Which is the first commandment of all? Now, we know the commandments, Ten Commandments, right? Thou shalt, thou shalt, thou shalt not, all those. And those are great. Those are effective. And uh, still, to this day, very useful in winning people to Christ, right? Because one of the first things you've got to do when you win somebody to Christ is first you've got to get them lost, right? 
they got to realize they're lost before they get them saved. Most people don't think they're lost. So you got to get them lost. You got to prove to them they're a sinner. They're in violation of God's will. I remember one time we had at uh, Mercer County, we had the fair going on, and our church had a booth out there to give out the gospel, give out tracts, and try to win people to Christ. And for the first several years, it worked pretty good until they all knew us. And then after that, they quit coming to our booth. But uh, we would uh, win people to Christ and witness. And one of the things that we did was um, we would uh, help people understand that they're a sinner. And I was talking to this college-age girl out there in front of the booth. And she looked at the display. And so I said, if you were to die today, you know for sure you go to heaven? And she said, yeah, I think so. I'm pretty good. Typical answer. And I said, well, let me ask you something. You ever told a lie? Yes, I've told a lie. More than one? Oh, yeah. Have you ever taken God's name in vain? Yeah. And I said, you know, the Bible says God will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. I said, uh, you ever taken anything that wasn't yours? Yes. That, what is that? That's stealing. So I was helping her to see that she was a sinner by reviewing the law, the, the Ten Commandments. The law proves that you're a sinner. And I distinctly remember on that occasion... Her amazement, her facial expressions, she was waking up to the fact that she was a sinner. You know what I mean? It had never dawned on her before. She'd always thought that she was good. And there, as I was, I didn't get to lead her to Christ, but I told my wife, I got her lost. She went away from there confounded, amazed, because she was realizing that she she was a sinner. And so... Uh, that's one of the things that we as believers, you know, one of the things that we need to accomplish, especially in our community, in our area, this region, very religious. In fact, Mercer County is one of the most religious counties in the state per capita and the, one of the most conservative counties in the state. I was talking to a political staffer the other day from Columbus, and I, I was in Columbus, and I said, I'm from Salina. You probably don't hardly even know where that's at, Mercer County. He said, oh, I know Mercer County. All of us know Mercer County. It is the most conservative county in the entire state. He said, you voted 75% for Trump. I said, 80, 80% for Trump in our county. So we're very conservative in that county. Oh, by the way, do you know what Joe Biden and Donald Trump have in common? What they have in common? They're both trying to beat Joe Biden for the presidency. <laughs> <laughs> Donald Trump and Joe Biden were together the other day, you know, and, and uh, so Joe Biden, he says to Donald Trump, knock, knock, and Donald Trump looks at him in disgust and says, who's there? And Joe Biden says, who's where? He has no clue. You know, the best thing the Democrats can do, keep him in the basement, right? The best thing they can do, they're doing it, really, they really are. Amazing, isn't it? What a country we have, right? Isn't this nuts? This, this truth is stranger than fiction. Bill Grady used to say, you can't make this stuff up, right? It's amazing. But anyway, um, you know, here, here's this. Uh, let me get back to the scripture here. here here's this, this religious man that says to the Lord Jesus, what's the first commandment? I don't know if he really wanted the answer to that question, but he got more than he bargained for when Jesus really preached to him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love thy neighbor as thyself. He commended the Lord Jesus. And the interesting thing, 
is the answer that Jesus gave. Look at it, all right? Let's look at it. Jesus answered, verse 34. The Bible says, when Jesus saw that he answered, what's the word? Discreetly. You see that? In other words, with care. He answered with care. He answered with real interest, with decision here. He was really thinking about this, and his answer was genuine. And Jesus said to him, Thou art not far from the kingdom of God. All right, now let me set this up by asking you a question. And I talked a little bit about that this morning. But what is it that this church, to be successful, not only as far as the community is concerned, and success, we know what success is, it's reaching people with the gospel, amen? It's not buildings, it's not money. It's not a big bank account. Well, I can't believe that some churches have a large bank account. They'll get, I just heard of one the other day, you know, some some rich woman donated a bunch of money to the church and the church has a bank account of, you know, a lot of zeros on it. Who cares? I've, I've always told my church, we're not going to be that way. We're going to spend the money because if the Lord comes, I don't want a bunch of money in the bank that the Antichrist get, right? I want to spend it on winning people to Christ, Right? And so, even if, even if the Lord give us a bunch of money, we'll spend it on missions, right? I mean, there's a whole lot of missionaries could use some buildings and Bibles, right? Before Jesus comes. Let's not sit on a pile of money. That's not our security. Amen? That's not our objective. What is it that we, as a New Testament church, I like saying that, and I'm a Baptist. Don't, don't think I'm not. I'm a New Testament Baptist. I'm a Baptist like your pastor is. I believe in the Baptist position. I will not accept in our church anything but Baptist baptism. I believe in that. i got a guy right now I'm working with who has, oh, what's it? I think it's Methodist baptism. And I said, now if you're going to join us, you're going to get Baptist baptism. And I explained it to him. He said, well, I've never had it explained to me that way before. So hopefully he'll get baptized soon. But... Uh, well, what is it that this church depends upon? Finances? Well, we've already said that. No. This church does not depend upon large donors, donations, money. That's not the objective. That's not what we depend upon. What, what do we depend upon as a church? The personality of the pastor? Well, you've got a pastor with good personality. He's outgoing. I like that. Not every church has that. There's some pastors that are very reserved, quiet. Um, I don't know. Maybe you wish he was a little quieter. I don't know. But, I mean, he's outgoing. I'm just joking. I, I like his personality. I enjoy being around him. You say, well, he's got to be strong and firm. Personality of the pastor. Whatever. Personality of the pastor, that helps. Maybe some. But not really. That's not what this church depends upon. That's not what you as a church need. That's not what, you know, the the personality, that's not the big deal. What is it? What is it that this church really depends upon? What does it need? Well, you say, oh, it's the King James Bible. Well, I agree with that. I love the King James Bible. It's preaching. Yes, it's preaching. I love good preaching. I thoroughly enjoy preaching. Listening to preaching. 
And you get a lot of it around here. Maybe not tonight, but you get a lot of it around here. What is it? What is it that, you know what? I'll give you the answer because I don't want to drag it on too long. But really, we operate, like I was saying this morning already, and that's the point of both of my sermons, we operate in the miraculous. Does that make sense? The miraculous. We depend upon miracles. We do. The miracle of this church expanding and getting a building like this and God blessing you in spite of the position this church takes. Right? This is a serious position this church takes. This church preaches against sin. Is that popular? No. You know what business philosophy is? Give people what they want. Right? Even your doctor does that. How many people are on drugs nowadays? Prescription drugs. You know why? Because that's what people want. Just give me a pill to fix it, doctor. Right? Just give me a pill. That's what people want. Business and even the medical profession oftentimes operates on giving people what they want. But this church does not operate that way. This church operates on giving people what they need, even though they don't like it. Now, how is that going to help this church to grow and to expand and to reach people and to build and to pay the indebtedness of this church? How's that going to happen? There's only one way. The miracle power of God. Miraculous events. You've got to have miracles. There has to be miracles. The New Testament, you know what? It's always been that way. Right? Look at Jesus' ministry. The Bible says that the multitudes followed him for what? What they follow him for? Somebody tell me. Loaves and fishes. Remember? The loaves and fishes. Jesus takes a little lad's lunch. Sorry, you're not little. Jesus takes a little lad's lunch and he multiplies it and feeds 5,000 men plus women and children. And 12 baskets full. He heals the lame and the sick and the blind and the cripple. He heals all of those people. So, what was going on? People were following him. He had a crowd to listen to his preaching. Why? Because of the miraculous. Right? This church, I want to emphasize this to you. Listen, this church operates and functions based upon the miraculous. The miracle power of God. The reason some of you are saved because of the miracle power of God. Amen? Right? Yeah. How about all of us? Amen? All of us. The miracle power of God. And we could go on and on talking about that. I can give you some examples in Scripture. How about Zacchaeus? Right? There's a guy that was one of the worst citizens in the entire community. In all of Jerusalem, right? He was a publican. He was a tax collector. What was the attitude about the tax collector then? The same about the attitude of the tax collectors now, right? You hate them. <laughs> Anybody a tax collector? I work for the IRS or in here? I hope not. Maybe it's the same as a fire chief, right? <laughs> Don't tell me we're out of code. You know, we, 
we see Jesus going to Zacchaeus and saying, come down there, buddy. I'm going to your house today. And he goes to his house and Zacchaeus gets converted. And the evidence is so strong because Zacchaeus says, if I've taken anything from anybody, I'm going to restore them fourfold. What? Fourfold? Four times as much as what you took? His wife is probably saying, oh, no, my husband's going nuts. We're going to be broke. Maybe she got saved too, amen? I don't know. But Zacchaeus got it, didn't he? How about Lazarus, right? Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. How about the conversion of Mary Magdalene and other women? Where the Bible says, I can't remember the words, Tad. I've got it on my notes, but I'm not there. The Bible says that there were several women that were possessed of devils, including Mary Magdalene that was possessed of seven devils. They were converted to Jesus Christ. The demons cast out of them, and they followed Christ and ministered to Him. That's miraculous. Amen? It's miraculous. That was a woman. Mary Magdalene and those other women were women that were way out. You know what I'm saying? They were unhelpable. That's not a word. They were, they were, uh, uh, way, they were, they were beyond help. And Jesus comes and heals them, casts the demons out. How about the maniac of Gadara? We can go on and on, right? The Bible says that they found him sitting and clothed in his right mind, and the people of the village in the Gadarenes come out, and they see him clothed in his right mind, and they were afraid. They didn't mind the maniac when he's out of his mind, but when he's sitting clothed in his right mind, they're scared to death of him. Okay, here's my point. You ready for this? This church needs the miracle power of God. My church needs the miracle power of God. Needs the miracle power of God in your life individually. You don't have to answer this. You don't have to respond. But how many of you need a miracle? Right? I do. In my family, I have the need of a miracle. I've been praying for for over a year. Hasn't happened yet. Seems impossible. But isn't that where God wants to do His work? Huh? Amen? Isn't that where God wants to do His work? He wants to do the impossible. For with man, things are impossible. With God, nothing shall be impossible. Amen? And so this church and you and I need the miraculous. You and I need it individually. This church needs it collectively. This church needs the miracle power of God. The miracle of God to care for us. I'm telling you, I'll I'll just say this, that the difficulty of serving the Lord is getting greater. It's increasing. I have a friend of mine in Cleveland, His son pastors the Cleveland Baptist Church, Pete Folger. Some of you might know him. He was called up this week by the health department. The health department said, if you conduct your services in your church, we're going to come shut you down. Pete's response was, this is how I understand it. I believe this is correct. I got it from my brother, and he would never lie or exaggerate. Pete responded, I'm going to contact my legal team. 
So he did. He contacted his legal team, some Christian lawyers, and one of them said, give me that guy's number. And so he did. Gave him the guy's number, and that legal and political guy called that health department guy and said, let me tell you something about the Constitution, pal, and gave him about 15 or 20 minutes on liberty and the Constitution and rights and authority. And the guy said, well, I I was just trying to help the community. He backed right down. Thank God for that. Amen? But here's the problem. The idea is, is in some people's heads that they can do that stuff. There's churches right now in California meeting in violation of the governor's order. Some woman said to me the other day, right here in Ohio, you've got to have a mask on. It's the law. I said, it's not the law. It's a governor's order. That's not the law. Oh, man. You know, that's, people just get crazy stuff in their head. But my point is, of course, that things are getting more difficult. You see the tide coming. Do you not? The hatred toward Christianity. Isn't it amazing? The people that despise and hate Christianity, hate the gospel, they did in Jesus' day. They hated Jesus Christ. So Jesus said, no, don't be surprised when people despitefully use you and persecute you. We're seeing that growing in our nation. But here's the thing. We need the miraculous as believers in Christ. You know what? You and I need to pray for the miraculous. Amen? Pray for it. Now, I don't know. Brother Alter hasn't told me, so I don't know how this fits. But usually a building program like this costs the church a lot of money. And it usually puts a lot of stress on the pastor. Do you understand that? It does. If you don't understand it, take a clue. It puts a lot of stress on the pastor. Feeling the pressure of making sure that that bank payment gets made every month. Usually a very stressful thing. Pray for your pastor. Pray for your pastor's wife. Sometimes the wife catches more of it than the pastor because she's not only catching the stress about that whole thing, but his stress, right? So pray for Laura. Of course, she's lived with him this long, so hey, you know what? She knows what's... What, she knows what the game is, right? But No, you, you pray for them both. But, but uh, you know what? You and I, in a situation like this, you here in this situation, you have the responsibility to give what you should to God to help pay for this building. You also have the opportunity to give sacrificially to God. There's times when you can sacrifice, right? You can give sacrificially. Guess what you can also do? You can pray to give miraculously for this building. Right? You can pray and say, God, give me some extra money to give for the building payment. Did you ever think of that? You say, well, I just can't afford it. But God can. And you know what God wants? He wants to give through you. I'll tell you a story, example like that. I had a buddy and he's still a friend in Toledo, Ohio, pastor of a church. And he had a need. Oh, no, I know what it was. I'm I'm trying to remember it as I go. He had a a preacher friend that needed some money for a hospital bill. And so he prayed and said, Lord, I would like to give $1,000 to that guy's medical needs. A good friend. He said, God, I don't have the money. Please give me $1,000. So he's praying about that. $1,000. 
So he's going out, doing his normal routine of being a pastor and visiting and all that stuff. And he goes to this house and talks to this guy and leads this older guy to the Lord. And he's thrilled. That's awesome. That's, you know, that's kind of normal routine for a pastor and should be. He's a soul winner. You know, he led this guy to the Lord. He's so excited. So weeks later, he gets a letter in the mail. And the letter says, I want to thank you, Pastor so-and-so, for what you did going to my brother's house and leading him to the Lord. I have been praying for him to get saved for years. And that is such a huge answer to my prayers and a blessing to me. Here's a check for $10,000. Obviously, the $1,000, boom, goes right to his buddy to help him with a medical expense. You know, you can pray for the miraculous. This church needs miracles. It needs people who believe in the miracle power of God and pray miracles down from God. Could you do that? Yeah, you could. If you would have the faith in God to believe the power of God and the provision of God, God could bless you and you could see the miraculous power of God. Not only that, this church needs miracle conversions. Not only miracle provision, but miracle conversions. Have you heard in the news of who got saved? And I mean born again several months ago. A most famous American truly got born again. Probably young people know. Kanye West, right? You've heard that? Kanye West got saved. Went to a Baptist church in Georgia, heard the gospel, talked to the pastor afterwards, prayed and received Jesus Christ as his Savior. Is that not a miracle conversion? Amen? I don't think he was a Christian before, right? He wasn't acting or talking or singing, rapping, whatever, like a Christian before, right? I don't know. I've never listened to one second of his music that I know of. But that dude is so saved, if I can say it that way, that he's making statements. My wife was just telling me just now on the way here that he's talking against abortion and saying that abortion is wrong and that our our country is wrong for promoting abortion. That dude's coming out on the right side. Are you happy about that? Brother, I am. I am thrilled. I am thrilled that that guy got saved. I'm saying, bless God. That ought to show some people in this country several things. Number one, the gospel is real because it converted somebody as far away from the gospel as you can get, probably. Right? I guess. I don't know. Didn't seem like that guy was the type to get saved. Or do believe the gospel. And he does. I'm thrilled with that. And not only that. He's an outspoken believer for Christ. A testimony for God. How awesome is that? That's fantastic. We ought to be rejoicing that that happened. Amen? That guy's going to go to heaven with us. We're going to enjoy being with him. Fellowshipping with him for eternity. I don't know him. But I will for eternity. That is fantastic. Listen, folks, miracle conversions can happen. 
They absolutely can. They're repeatedly referred to in Scripture. I'm going to tell you something. They need to happen here and now. Amen? Some of you have some family members that are lost. You've been praying for them for a while. Have you given up? Have you quit? Have you backed off? Slacked off? I know. Our attention gets redirected sometimes because other things happen. But I'm going to tell you something. This church needs miracle conversions. It needs people to get saved that are somewhat significant. Now, everybody's significant. I'm not saying there's anybody insignificant. Matter of fact, sometimes the most insignificant person can become later on the most significant person, right? But we need miracle conversions. Can I challenge you for this tonight? This is the challenge, okay? You ready? This is the application. That you would pray to God that God would give this church miracle conversions. Would you pray about that? Would you trust God for that? Would you witness toward that end? I wonder, I wonder. Okay, let's, let's do, a, let's do a, a, a scenario here, a pretend thing. If by chance, just suppose, you had been near in some way, I don't know what that would be, but you had a chance to talk to Conway yet, Kanye West. If you had a chance to talk to Kanye West a year ago, would you have witnessed the gospel to him and thought maybe he'd get saved? I don't know if I would have. But that's not very strong in faith, is it? Amen? You know what? We ought to be like a gun with a hair trigger toward the gospel. Ready to go off at any moment. Amen? Ready to go off at any moment. Ready to witness the gospel at any moment. Why? Because there are people that are closer to the gospel than you know. Just like this man who said to Jesus, what's the first commandment? Jesus answered. He commended the Lord on the answer. And Jesus said, thou art not far from the kingdom of God. You know what? We ought to be so confident in the miracle power of God, so confident in what God is going to do, so confident in what God wants to do, so confident in the conviction of the Holy Spirit that we witness and talk about Christ and talk about the gospel everywhere we go and to everyone that we get a chance to because God has some miracles ready to happen and that's where we operate in the miracle power of God. Jesus said, you're not far from the kingdom of God. I wonder if maybe there's a co-worker, a family member, a neighbor, a friend, someone that you know who has been thinking in their mind, what about God? Where am I going to go when I die? What's going to happen to me? Do I know God? How can I get to know God? Maybe they've been thinking those questions. Maybe they've been searching in their own hearts and minds looking for truth, looking for the gospel, looking for God. Maybe God has been knocking, like I said this morning, already knocking on their heart's door. They've kept it closed, but they're just about to open it. Are you willing to share with them the gospel of Christ
expecting miracle conversions. 